flies a buzzing round my head When I'm alone, I think of you And the life we'd lead if we could only be free From these distractions So the title of today's message, it is the third part of our series called Distracted. And the title is The Method Actors Masquerade. It is derived from the scripture we just read in Romans chapter number, uh, chapter 13, specifically verse number 14, where it says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. The Greek word there for to put on or put ye on is a word that literally means to sink into clothing or to wear a costume. It is a theatrical term. It is actually used in theater in that day. It has a Latin base. In Shakespearean times, they would have used a similar, the same word to describe how they get into costume. So to end our series on distracted, I want to piggyback off of last week's message which was based on a question of who are you? So if you kind of remember, I'll review with you real quick. The question was very pointed to me and you, who are you? Not how your Facebook page describes you, uh, not your avatar on your Twitter feed, but who are you really? When somebody says your name, when you say your name, do you have a definite article of who you are? Who does that encapsulate? Are you still living off of your own reputation or have you figured out who you are in him? And to answer that question, we went to the portion where Christ is talking to his disciples. Everybody say that's me. And he says, well, first of all, before I can tell you who you are, I need to ask you a question. Who do men say that I am? And they answer with various things. Jeremiah, Elijah, John reborn, all these different things. And then he says, well, that's all well and dandy, but who do you say that I am? And that's his question to you. And that's my question to you. Who is Jesus to you? And of course, Peter speaks up and he says, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah. You are the one. And Christ says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And what we were trying to get at last week was to say, have you really answered that question for yourself? Because in America, it's easy to, you've heard plenty of sermons, you grew up uh, probably surrounded by Christianity, uh, even when they try to tell you that there's this huge rule in our school system that you can't pray, you can't talk about Jesus, you can't teach the Bible, whatever you can't do in public school reinforces the idea that it's there. Well, I can't pray, what does that mean, mommy? Well, that's talking about praying uh, to God. Well, I can't talk about Jesus, who is Jesus? So even uh, as our government tries to Uh, little by little, uh, eradicate Christianity, it seems like, they're also reinforcing the idea that that's where we live and that's who we are. So in America, it's easy to have heard the story and, and think that you know who Jesus is, but it's not merely what you say, it's what you do. Actions speak louder than words. So we were talking about last week, is Jesus Christ really the Son of God to you? If He is, then how does that reflect in your own life? Is he, are you with him on Sunday mornings? And then when you leave the sanctuary, you need to turn around and nail him back up to the cross and ask him to wait there for a week. 
and then come back because that's not who that's not you reflecting who you say that he is. So it's not just about the words of your mouth, but it's about your actions. Who is Jesus to you? And when he can read that in your heart, he'll speak back to you and he'll tell you who you are. Because then he says, well, I'm telling you, since you know who I am, now I'm going to tell you, Peter, you are Peter, bar Jonah. And upon this rock shall I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So if you want to know who you are, you first need to answer the question of who he is. And we're coming into the third part, the method, the method actors masquerade. And it's going to be uh, piggybacking, like I said, off of who are you. And it's more about what we look at. One of Shakespeare's most famous works is called As You Like It. And the famous, most famous portion monologue from that work is one that we all recognize. It starts out, all the world's a stage and all the men and women are merely players. They have their exits and their entrances. And one man in his time plays many parts. When we go to Romans 13, I feel like there's an interesting dialogue here from the Holy Spirit to you and I. We'll read it again one more time, starting in verse 10. Love works no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Love here in this portion of Scripture is the setting. All that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Love is the setting. Salvation is the theme. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. This is the plot, if you will. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's wardrobe. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. First, let me define a couple of words for you. In verse 13, it says, let's walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness. I think we all know what that means. Not in chambering or wantonness. Chambering is a word that refers to either or both adultery and fornication. So specifically, it's talking about lustfulness and uh, sex outside of marriage, uh, whether that's adultery or fornication. Wantonness is actually a word for excess lust. So they go together. And so uh, you can throw those words in there. Then not in strife or envying. So these are the main things that he warns us against. They're combinations of three things. And remember, the Bible has told us before this in the Gospel of John, I believe it is. Uh, actually, scratch that because I didn't look it up and that could be very wrong. Um, but uh, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. These are the main things that we deal with. Everything falls under these categories. And here in Romans, it's kind of reiterating that rioting and drunkenness, chambering and wantonness, strife and envying, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life is all there. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. So where lust, I'm sorry, where love is the setting, salvation is the theme, casting off darkness, finding the light, not walking in sin is the plot. You, my friend, are the cast and putting on Christ is the wardrobe. Let me describe to you uh, this thing that we call Christianity in, in, a, in a way of staging, in a way of theatrics. And before I go there, you might even be asking yourself as a Christian, is that proper? 
Is that okay? Can we look at it in that format? Well, I want to submit to you that if you take time to read uh, such books like the book of Revelation, you're going to see that God and his description of himself and his description of his plan is very theatrical. He is very exciting. He is, he is very uh, abundantly um, enigmatic in everything that he does. You see all types of symbolisms. You see all types of wordings. You see all different manner of combinations going on in the apocalyptic scriptures as well as uh, some of just the, uh, the books of epistles or even in the gospels. I mean, think about it like this. Here's Jesus Christ. He's walking up to a guy uh, that is blind and that is, that is crying out and that people are asking about. Everybody knows this guy. And the Bible says that the Messiah should come to heal the sick, that the blind should receive their sight, that the deaf should receive their hearing. Now, we know there's many times where he just said, go and be healed and things happen. But he had this crowd. He had people asking questions. How is this for theatrical? How is this for the greatest method actor ever? All these people are coming up and instead of just laying hands and everybody going, wow, that was cool. He hawks one up in the dirt. He spits in the ground. He gets down on his knees and he makes mud out of it and he throws it on the guy's eyeballs. Right. Props. He's using props. And he says, now go to the pool of Shiloh and wash and you shall receive your sight. It's a whole uh, it's a whole skit that has to take place. He didn't just lay hands, say, be healed and go to the next person. He created something theatrical that everybody could watch and see. Why did he do that? Because he's not against that. God is not against being exciting. God is not against fun. God is not against drawing in your attention. God has always been theatrical. He could have forced Jonah onto the island of Nineveh just with the storm alone. But he thought it'd be a little bit cooler if he had him swallowed up and thrown up by a big fish onto the shore theatrical that's god i mean he created this whole thing he is not boring he is not boring so let me describe to you in a way that i think makes sense what's going on with this intergalactic this universal game if you will that we call christianity once upon a time god just existed. All right. God is the great Shakespeare of the universe. He is the greatest playwright there ever was. Are you with me? He wrote a word and it became alive. He took that word and he wrapped it around his own son and it became life. He took his word and he personified it. He's the greatest playwright there ever was. He has a great advantage over all of our earthly playwrights and that he knows the end from the beginning. That helps a lot when you want to write something. So here he is, always existed, however you want to think of him, floating out there in the universe and decides, I'm going to do this thing. He creates apparently an alphabet or an olive bait. You want to say it in Hebrew. We know that because when he decided to create, he spoke things into existence. But before he could speak, he needed words. Before he had words, he needed letters. So he started at the foundation. He created all these things. 22-letter Hebrew alphabet. He began to speak things into existence. And as the words of his mouth flowed, things began to manifest. 
And he said from the beginning, I have a plan. I am God and nobody's going to throw me off of my plan. There's a confusing concept in the Bible called predestination. It's confusing because there are also so many scriptures in the Bible that talk about free will. So on one hand, how he talks about all of those that he foreknew, he predestined. On the other hand, he tells us that salvation is for whosoever will. And that his desire is that all men should repent and be saved. But he knows that's not going to happen. So what is it? Are we Calvinist or are we Arminian? Well, I submit to you that we are both. Because predestination definitely exists. And so does free will. So let me kind of explain to you how God set that up. Here's the thing. He decides he's going to create the universe. I can't tell you why he needed so many billions of stars and galaxies and why he did all that. Whether there's life in other galaxies, I don't think so. They've been trying to find it for a very long time. Uh, if, I mean, there are. They're called angels. I'm sure they're floating around out there by the millions and millions and billions as well. Maybe that's why he created all the stars and the planets, places for them to play around on. I have no idea. But he did that. And then he created a spiral galaxy called the Milky Way. And then he found the perfect uh, inhabitable zone inside of that spiral galaxy. And he said, I'm going to put this little rock here uh, that revolves around a bigger rock that we're going to call the sun. And, in, and on this rock, I'm going to create a being in my likeness and in my image. I'm going to give this being free will, but I'm not going to give them enough free will to thwart my own plan. So here's this angel that I know is going to rise up and want to take over this thing when I create it. This Lucifer, this Satan, he thinks he's a big deal. He wants to put his throne above mine. He's got all these scary images. He's whatever. He'll let him do his thing. But he is also not going to thwart my plan. But because I can see that my creation that I'm going to put on this rock that I call the earth, or that at least they call in English the earth, and I see this devil, this Satan, this Lucifer character, they're going to follow him. They're going to give in to what he says, and they're going to allow um, his uh, methodology, his theology, which is sin, uh, into their planet. And it's going to affect their psychology that was formerly built after my mind and my likeness. So that's okay because I'm still in charge. And I have this huge plan. So what God is, is God is the ultimate uh, moviegoer. Loves movies. I know he does because he wrote this big one that we're all living in. It's like the best script ever written. It's the most exciting movie ever made. So here's the deal. Here's how it's going to go. They're going to let sin in. It's going to do some terrible things. A lot of them are going to get real mad at me after sin comes in and terrible things happen. They're going to get real confused and blame the good guy for the bad things, the bad guy for the good things. But I can handle it. It's okay. I'm still going to love them. I'm still going to give them grace. I'm still going to give them mercy. And there's a great portion of them that will turn to me and stay with me. And I will use them to try to help those who will not. And the devil can have his day and he can make his play and he can say his thing for about six or seven thousand years. And then we're all going to be tired of it. And we're going to come to the end of this movie because the end is the best part. So here's the deal. He said, you know what? I've got the script ready. I'm done. I've got the plot summarized. I know what it is. I've got the uh, I've got the setting. I know where I want it to happen. I've got the theme. I know what I want that to be. Uh, I've got love. I've got salvation. I've got things to do. I've got things not to do. Everything's in order. I'm going to have to leave for a little while while I kind of make believe to Satan that he's got some control. And then I'm going to come back with a vengeance. I'm going to take this bad boy back. There's going to be a rapture. There's going to be a tribulation. There's going to be all kind of fun. And I'm going to take this thing back. Okay, that's the that's the movie. That's the script. And that'll never change. It's predestined. It's going to happen. Now, inside of that script. 
You can, you can say his angels are more apropos, his Holy Spirit is conducting a lifelong casting call. There are many parts to be played. He needed a pharaoh in Egypt. He found somebody to fulfill that role. He needed a likeness of his savior to come rescue his people out of Egypt. He found somebody for that role. He needed a forerunner for Jesus Christ. He found somebody for that role. He needed a mom to birth his son into the earth. He went down and found somebody to fulfill that role because those who he foreknew, he predestined. He knows the choices you're going to make first, and then he puts a destiny in your life according to those choices. But you have the free will over the choices. You just serve a God that understands the end from the beginning. He wrote the whole script, and he has all these parts to play. Your free will comes in to what part are you going to play? You have the choice. You get to look at the script and decide, am I going to be the villain or am I going to be the hero? Am I going to be the lead actor or am I going to be the supporting actor? Am I going to be the love interest or am I going to be the blah, 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 whatever. There's so many different roles to fulfill. And you, my friend, are given that choice by God, by the Holy Spirit. All the world's a stage and all the men and women are merely players. They have their exits and their entrances. And one man in his time plays many parts. So wrote Shakespeare. And I would have to agree. So where were our main scripture in Romans chapter 13, verse 14 says, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Uh, that is interesting because it makes, so to speak, in our analogy here, it makes the Lord Jesus Christ the wardrobe. And you would think, well, he deserves a bigger role than that, than just the wardrobe. Let's read some scriptures about things that we see. Psalm 97, 6 says the heavens declare his righteousness and all the people see his glory. Everybody say see. see. The righteous shall see. Everybody say see, see. And rejoice. And all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Math, that was Psalm 107, verse 42. Matthew 5 and 16 says, let your light shine before men that they may see. Everybody say see. see. Your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. John chapter 3, verse 3 says, Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born again. He cannot see, everybody say see, the kingdom of God. Hebrews 2 and 9, but we see, uh, try it again, but we see Jesus, we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall See, everybody say see, see him as he is. Luke eleven thirty four. the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is single, the whole body is full of light. But when your eye is evil, the body shall be full of darkness. So there is a lot going on with our eyes and there's a lot going on with what we see. What that scripture is basically telling us is both of our eyes are focused on Christ and we are in unity a.k.a. single, and our whole body is full of light. But when our eyes are separated or evil, the body is full of darkness. When your body is full of darkness, how great is that darkness, it says. So, it does matter what we see. It does matter what we see. We're going to define that further here in a second. I want to read to you um, something that I, I researched online about theater, about actors, and about wardrobe. 
Costume design remains, the author says, one of the most misunderstood and underappreciated filmmaking arts. Far in excess of merely dressing an actor for their role, costume design is discourse. A film can be read via the costume, sometimes overtly, sometimes in subtext, not just conspicuous sci-fi or period, but contemporary stories set with a familiar world and familiar attire. On screen, even the most rudimentary item of clothing can take on great meaning. In 2010, a boundary crossing was a boundary crossing year for costumes beyond the typical crop of historical dramas, fantasy and comic book adaptations, all of which are commonly acceptable as highly visible emblematic forms of sartorial expression. There were a considerable number of contemporary set films garnering attention for their costumes. Inception would be a prominent example. Although science fiction to a degree, the story exists within a recognizable world with costume designer Jeffrey Curlin creating literally from scratch a stylish and functional template for, differenti for differentiating character, even for interpreting plot. Costume design need not be subtle, particularly in science fiction. Oftentimes, clothing is used as visual iconography that speaks to the audience, though without breaking for, uh, the fourth wall. When a world is unfamiliar at the behest of its own rules or backstory, dress will fill in the blanks. Tron Legacy applies costumes, specifically light and color, as shorthand to establish factions within its near-monochrome grid. It goes on and on to talk about more movies. The point that I want to make is that in filmmaking and theatrics, costume plays a major role. Plays a major role. All I did today different was walk in with a pair of fake glasses on. That's all I did different. And while I was giving announcements, and while I was up here, I, I caught the jeers. I caught this. The, I, I saw the jokes happening. I saw the people laughing. I wrote your names down. I saw all you guys back there talking. I knew who it was. That's okay. That's all right. Uh, God, I got so many different mentions and so many questions. It's just a simple, just a simple thing. And I do look different, obviously, with glasses on. But it, it can send a whole message in and of itself. Something real simple. So where we titled uh, today's sermon, The Method a Actor's Masquerade, I want to define for you real quick what a method actor is, and then we'll get back into costume. Method acting is actually a, uh, a, uh, a way uh, that actors that, that try to um, live inside of their roles. They try to play their roles uh, to a little bit different degree. It's actually something they teach uh, actors to try to do, but they can't all do it or they don't all desire to do it. Method actors, uh, some that were really good at this were like Al Pacino, uh, Tom Cruise, uh, people to that degree. What it means to be a method actor is that once you get your role, once you accept that role, are you all with me this morning? Okay, the script has been written. You are the cast. You decide your role. Once you get that role, the method actors will go so deep and so far into that role, they will not even respond to their own family members or friends unless they call them by the name of the character they're getting ready to play. They get so deep into it that they move the way the character moves. They eat the way they think the character eats. If the character has a limp, they walk with a limp all the time. The hairstyle, everything that goes on, they live in that role for so long to try to become that character so that once they get on screen, they never break character and they have a much more believable rendition of who they're trying to portray. A real famous story for this was a Tom Cruise movie that wasn't the most popular movie. Maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't. I'm not endorsing the movie but it was called collateral and his look was so different and his character was so different that and it was a, a guy that got driven around in a taxi and delivered different things and uh, that's a very general description um 
Yeah, if you've seen the movie, I know, right? Uh, so I'm not, I don't want to endorse the film, but I'm just telling you. Uh, what he did for that movie was he actually got hired on as a FedEx delivery person. Tom Cruise went and worked for FedEx for a little while uh, to learn about what he needed to learn about for that role. He changed his look so much and he changed his demeanor so much that he decided once he got comfortable with being a, at FedEx delivery that he would go and hand deliver items inside of like LAX airports, like places with mass um, amounts of people that are real familiar with moviegoers and things of that nature and actors. And he would walk in and hand things to people and have a whole conversation with them and they would never know that it was Tom Cruise. And he'd walk around and leave and like they never caught on that it was him. And that was part of how he used method acting to try to get into that role. Well, the Bible says here in the book of Romans that we should walk honestly, and we know that, as in the day, not rioting, drunkenness, chambering, wantonness, not in strife or envying, but to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. What the Bible is asking you to do is each and every day that you wake up, every time that you step out of that bed and you go to your closet or you go wherever you go and you start to put your clothes on, the Bible wants you to be cognizant of who you are. That each and every day before you walk out of that door, you are supposed to put on Christ the way that you put on your t-shirt. You're supposed to put on Jesus the way that you put on an outfit. The way that you put on a costume. He's calling you to be a method actor. That doesn't mean that you need to be fake, but it means you need to get so far into your role that people can't tell the difference between the Christian you and the other you. There is no other you. There is only the Jesus that you live for. There is only the Holy Spirit that is in you. When people see you, they realize this is no longer Thad that used to do A, B, C, and D. This guy has changed. This guy is different. And it's not him that did it, but it's Christ that did it. And I need to be so far into that role yes, that I'm able to never break character. I need to sink into that costume. I need to be caught up in that wardrobe. It makes a difference. Costume itself, they say, tells an entire story. The masquerade part, masquerades are, generally speaking, they're those parties or those balls that people go to and they, they wear costumes or at least they wear masks and they're not totally recognizable but a little recognizable. Our daily walk and our daily routine is a masquerade. Our daily routine is a masquerade. What we have to decide is what costume that we're going to wear. And I know that it tells a story from Christ's perspective because in order for him to tell stories, he uses the same element. If you, if you open up the book of Revelation, it begins with John having a vision. Now, the Bible could have just said John turned around and saw in the midst of seven golden candlesticks one like the Son of Man, and then it could have gone on and talked about the letters that he was writing and all of that, but it didn't do that. It said his hair was as white as wool. His eyes, and his eyes were a flame of fire. His feet were like bronze, and his girdle was a golden girdle. I used to tell my youth, it's the craziest thing it's like, it's techno-Jesus is what we used to call it. Imagine Jesus Christ surrounded by three lights on one side and three lights on the other side. His hair is all white and crazy like Einstein. His eyes are on fire. His outfit is glowing. His feet are like bronze. And he's standing there and you just hear the angels. Oh. 
And he's saying, then the music in the background, doo, 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 doo. and he's like, yeah, what's up? He's there, it's this crazy thing. Like, what is this picture of Jesus? Why is it so crazy? He turns around because he's trying to get your attention. He's theatrical. He's all about it. He's saying, I'm all about, you got five senses, I want them all. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Hear my word. See my face. See what I look like. I want you to feel it out. I want everything. I want all parts of you. I want you to see this thing and live this thing. I am not just some boring, meek little lamb, and the lamb is important, but I also have the ability to stand up and to scare somebody if I have to. Now, I love you, but at the same time, I want you to know that while I'm for you, I'm strong. I can fight that battle. I can stand in the midst of that light. I can do this thing. And if you will just follow me, when he comes back, he comes back on a white horse with a sword coming out of his mouth. He has a sash on, a tattoo on his leg. Lord of lords and king of kings. He writes your name in his hand. He gets all kind of crazy. And he's like, check me out. This is what I want you to look like. This is who I want you to be. Put on Christ daily. It's not boring. It's the best movie that ever was made. And I know the end from the beginning. I've already seen this movie. You don't need to be that scared of the devil. When it's all said and done, we win. We win. Amen. We win. What I want you to know this morning before you leave this sanctuary. The Jesus that you love. The Jesus that you serve. The God that is in control. The person that you are. We run into daily distractions. It's going to happen. They're never going to go away. What the enemy wants to do is use those distractions to cause a disruption in your life. So that instead of going the right way, you turn around and start going another way. And as you start going another way, little by little, you start to forget who you are. And when you forget who you are, you forget what you look like. The Bible even says that you're like a man that saw itself in a mirror and then you turned and walked away and forgot what manner of man you were. You forgot what you look like. Can I encourage you this morning? Every once in a while, you need to step back in front of the mirror. It's okay. And you need to realize that that image looking back at you, that person in the mirror staring back at you, desperately wants to live like a daughter of the king. Desperately wants to be called son of the most high God. Because to those who accepted Christ, he gave them power to become the sons of God. What I want to encourage you this morning is that you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You have the ability to look like him, to act like him, to speak like him, to be like him. But you have to be willing to walk out into that world and take it. Did you hear me? You've got to be willing to take it. Are you willing this morning? Let me give you an example. If you walk into that hospital room in that ICU unit... And you go and lay hands on somebody or you go to pray for somebody and you're thinking about, I'm not sure if everybody in the room is going to like my prayer. I'm not sure if these people speak in tongues. I'm not sure if I'm going to freak somebody out. I'm not sure if God can heal him. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's okay. You can still pray for somebody and it's still a good thing. But what I'm telling you this morning is if before you go into that hospital, you can put on Christ. If before you go into that school, you can put on Christ. If before you walk into your workplace, you can put on Christ. If before you leave your house, you can put on Christ. If you can get into that method acting role, 
If before you walk into your own home, you can put on Christ, you do not have to doubt. You do not have to be weary. You do not have to be shaken. You do not have to be off balance. You do not have to wonder because it is not you. It is him. And it's up to you to walk out there and take it and be that Christian. Be that man of God. Be that woman of God. Are you ready to do that this morning? He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. He wrote the script for you. All he's waiting for you to do is to stop with the excuses, to stop defining your own self, to stop limiting your own self because of your limited abilities or capabilities, to get rid of all the negative and all of the naysaying, to stand up tall, stand up proud, and take it. It is the method actor's masquerade. It's your ball. It's your movie. It's your call. It can be action. It can be drama. It can be comedy. It can be tragedy. What role are you going to play? I hope you understand I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Because some of the things, I'm going to try to speak to you where you're at this morning. Some of the things that you have decided, I know there are outside influences, but some of the things that you have decided to cry your way through, you could laugh your way through. Some of the things that you've decided you're going to be angry about until something changes, you could be happy about until something changes. Some of the people you've decided to take vengeance out on are some of the people you could decide to to take forgiveness out on. The situation doesn't have to change. Just your outlook has to change. If it's just me, when that guy cuts me off on the freeway, I have some choice words. Some of them are in the Bible. Some of them, not so much. (laughs) But if I put on Christ, when that guy cuts me off, and I've said it's happened many times, it doesn't happen every time, we'll call it (laughs) 50-50. I could just reach my hand out, all fingers up, and say, (laughs) God bless you, my friend. I hope you get to where you need to go. Probably an emergency. I have two kids. Maybe the person that cut me off has a daughter that's in trouble. I don't know. Maybe somebody just got put in the hospital. Maybe they're going to be late to work and they've been told if they're late one more time, they're going to lose their job and they've got bills to pay and their wife's going to leave them if they go in debt and all this. I don't know what's going on. So you cut me off. Okay. God bless you. I hope you get to where you're going safely. That's if you put on Christ. For me, that has to be putting on Christ. That's a small example, but I'm just telling you, I could just as easily go the other way. I could yell at him too. I could use those choice words. It's not going to change what just happened, but it does affect me. It does affect the atmosphere around me and it does affect what I'm going to be able to do 10 minutes from then. Because now I'm on my way to the restaurant and I show up to the restaurant and my uh, my 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 lovely wife is sitting there waiting for me with the two children that she spent all day getting ready so they could meet me at the place. And I walk in and I'm automatically mad because the dude cut me off. But really what I don't know, it's not really the dude that cut me off. It's the things that I thought about and said after he cut me off that really made me angry. And I walk in, I take my anger out on her and she was happy before I got there. Hoping she'd be happier when I did get there, but instead I've ruined the whole day. We might be fighting for two days now, but then that two-day period, there could be blessings and opportunities that would have came our way, but we're so focused on hating each other, we forgot how to love God, and we missed the opportunities. And if I would have just blessed that guy and said, I forgive you, God bless you, I could have walked in that same restaurant, I could have been real happy, she could have been real happy, we could have figured out something amazing to do, the rest of the day could have been great, two days of getting along well, all opportunities in the world, who knows? 
It's just a movie. And you get to decide what happens next. Put on Christ. Be a method actor. Have fun with the masquerade. We're only here for a swift little season. Life is vapor swift. And then we're up with him in eternity. Not having to worry any longer about making choices and decisions. And I I can almost, in my mind, guarantee is a strong word. But I'm willing to bet when you get to the other side, there'll be a movie about your life. And you'll get to watch it. That fast forward button's going to come in handy. Our worship, worship team can go ahead and come up this morning. So that's going to uh, end our series on distracted. Um, if you guys remember, when I first brought to you the idea of this series, it really was based on what I saw going on inside of Edgewater Church and what I saw the enemy trying to do. Uh, there are so many things that the enemy can't do here because we've already safeguarded There's already things built. Some things happened without us even trying. Some things we did on purpose. Uh, But no no church is completely safeguarded from all the wiles of the enemy. And I don't know what he's going to do next. But I know what he was doing a few weeks ago was trying to distract us, trying to interrupt us, trying to disrupt us. And I am trying to get your mind back focused on him and focused on who you are. And I hope this series has helped you do that. You would stand to your feet with me this morning. The last thing I want to say before we worship is when you walk out of this room, remember that word. To put on Christ. Okay, it literally is a costume. It literally is a mask. So that you don't have to try so hard to be you. Just be like Him. Distractions Like butterflies are buzzing around my head When I'm alone I think of you Flies that buzzing round my head When I'm alone I think of you And the life we'd lead If we could only be free From these distractions